Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey this is liz this is heather this week we are hitting our next book club episode untamed by glennon doyle all right spoilers hit that music Another week. <laughs> yes, I'm excited this week. Last week episode was a little eh, because we're dumpster firing. But we are on this week with another book club episode. I'm so excited. Yes. Um. Yeah, our dumpster fire was like a semi-automatic. We were just like, and this, and this, and this, and that, and this, and this. <laughs> I know. I was listening to Paul. I was like, is anybody going to hate me everything I've said? He's like, no, you're good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, the thing is, like... Are the people that you care about going to hate you, or is uh, is it going to be people you don't care that hate right, you? Right, the people who already fucking hate me, so who cares? Like, <laughs> no, I think, you know, that's the thing. Nobody cares if they upset my feelings, so. I know, and they'll go out of their way to tell you, yeah. They'll go out of their way to make sure that you know that they're upset, and they, this is why. Um, but, I don't know, this, this uh, turnaround's fair game for people is not. I, I just don't understand it. Like, I'm sorry. I I don't usually indulge in any of that bullshit, so. Yeah, I try not to either because it just, there just doesn't seem to be a winning outcome, you know? Like, maybe they feel good about themselves when they go back to the world and they're like, oh, ha, 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 I hurt somebody's feelings. That feels amazing. And I feel good about myself. I'm like, eh. If I, you know, because there's a thing. I can zing you real good. I could say a lot of things that would be very hurtful. But at the end of the day, am I going to feel any better about it? No, I'm not. I'm going to feel bad because I sunk to someone else's level. And that's just not just not worth doing most of the time. Yeah. I Sometimes remember, it feels really good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I remember like I had a friend, uh, you know, in college and he was a gay guy and um, he was uh, he was very excited that Obama got uh, reelected. Mm-hmm. And his friends, I mean, supposedly his friends were going on to his post that his post said something like grinning ear to ear here, you know, very, mm-hmm. very calm. And his friends were like, you only care because because uh, he cares about gay rights. You don't care about the rest of the world and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, started sm- uh, ma- uh, just giving him all kinds of shit for uh, being happy. Obama. <laughs> and I just popped in there and go, hey. Your friends are kind of assholes. Right. (laughs) That's it. That's all I said. I just threw that in there. And he's like, you know what? We all have different beliefs. It's fine. You know, I'm like, well, good for you, because I would have uh, tossed them out the door a while ago. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. I think if people are spending their time 
and energy focusing on making sure that you as a person don't have the same rights as everyone else, then that's probably not someone you want to hang around with. And, and the thing is, like, yeah, you have a friend. He's gay. He's happy that somebody that is uh, pro-LGBTQ uh, was reelected. Okay, You don't have to go and shit all over them because they wrote they were smiling from ear to ear. And it could have been about anything. You don't know. Well, now I'm very concerned <laughs> about their comments. Right. <laughs> uh, nonetheless. All right. So, um, and I, we actually have a social media uh, do's and don'ts, whatever. I forgot what we're going to call it. Episode coming up. There's a little bit of research involved. So we'll, yeah, we'll be discussing a lot of that further. Mm-hmm. I may tell that same story. <laughs> Maybe better should. and more articulate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make notes next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. fine. It's all good. But no, so back to this book club. And mm-hmm. it's it's funny because usually whenever we choose a book club selection, it's because one of us has read it and the other hasn't. Or uh, somebody has said, this is like the, the ultimate nerd book. You've got to read this. Or for whatever reason, we pick a book and we read it. And what happened this time is my sister actually recommended this book to me. You know, she's part of our reading book club challenge thing that we do on Facebook. And you know, she, she reads a lot of different books than I do. So we try to kind of trade off recommendations back and forth. And when she came to me with this one, I was like, is it going to be another, like, cause she, she's recommended several historical fiction books for me to read. Cause it's not a, it's not a genre that I read a lot of. I'm usually not that interested, but she's given me a couple that I'm like calling her like, what did you do to me? You monster. Like, why, why are you giving me this book? That's like making me question my entire life. Eh, I hate you. No. Um, but this one is, um, the book is Untamed by Glennon Doyle and it is a memoir and I like memoirs. I'm a big fan, usually of people I've heard of that usually helps this one. I had not, but I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead and give it a, give it a go. She's like, listen, I think you'd really like it. And it might be something that would be great for, you know, the podcast. And I was like, oh, sure. I'll read it. So I think I was, I was listening to the audio book one day that like the exterminator was coming to the house and I have to take the dogs out for a couple of hours so they don't die from the, you know, the bug poison in the air or whatever. And so I'm driving around listening to, to this audiobook. And I think probably about three hours in, I texted you. And I was like, I have the next book for the podcast. You're going to love it. We need to read it. We need to read it now. It's really important. And, so, and this is not like any book that we have read for the show before. Because we've only, I think we've only done one other memoir. And that was Felicia Day's book a couple of years back. And that one was very, you know, on target with who we are as nerd girls and kind of what had gone on with Gamergate and things like that, that had come into the scene right about the same time that we started podcasting. And so this is very different from that. This one is not like the, it's not a a geek's tale, basically. Uh, This one is a lady who is already well known for her, her writings and talk about family life and things like this. And this one just is like... Oh, by the way, I realized I am not remotely the person I thought I was. I'm changing my life completely. And let me tell you about it and and why. Yeah. So um, I I think I should throw something in here, Liz. And I didn't tell you this beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, So like this is very in the vein of Eat, Pray, Love. I mean, it's so much better than Eat, Pray, Love. Well, yeah. But um, I hated Eat, Pray, Love. And I'll tell you why. This is what concerned me about the book is that as I start reading these memoirs from people that you don't really know, memoirs, all right, that mm-hmm. everybody says, oh, you have to go, I always find that you start reading and going, 
Yeah, this person is more batshit crazy than I am. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe this isn't the person whose life advice I want to be following because they usually, <laughs> you know, throw some of that in there. Now, that being said, I was I felt much better about Glennon Doyle's um book because it really wasn't too much of that. I mean, towards the end, she got a little, this is how you should be living your life and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, the whole story was was compelling enough, right? Mm. And like Eat, Pray, Love, the story wasn't that compelling. It was like, okay, you got some Alfredo. I got it. Um, <laughs> you got that. You went yeah. and meditated. Yeah, and yeah. then you found some guy to hook up with on an island. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that sounds like a great story. Like, let's, <laughs> let's make it fiction, though, because I, I want to get a little, get to be a little saucier, right? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, okay, like you said, you hate Eat, Pray, Love, right? I did too. It took me, I'm not even kidding. It took me three years to finish Eat, Pray, Love because I could only digest so much of it at a time, right? Because it was so, like it it starts out almost like an under the Tuscan sun kind of thing. And it's like, okay, wait, wait, oh, wait, it's all completely self-indulgent. Okay. Well, there's that. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. But the, you know, and then, and, and it was funny because I think when I was able to manage the sections of that book, I was kind of getting out of it what I needed at that point in time. And yeah. once I was like done with that section, I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go read like 200 other books before I can come back to the praying section. <laughs> Just yeah. Not, not that. I think we can all agree it. that the praying section was the worst section. <laughs> worst. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So let me just throw this in there for Liz. Um, mm. If you're going to be editing, uh, you will have to delete a bunch of Alexa just chatted um, up my <laughs> mic just a second ago. So if that's in there, delete it. It's, it's okay. Uh, so side note, uh, we listen to Hamilton all the time, like on a loop and we bought the soundtrack and I, I just have not, I'm, I'm terrible at backing up my iPhone to like the desktop or whatever. So it's, I don't have it in my list, even though we bought it. So I'm listening to it through Amazon music and almost, let's say 60% of the time they say Alexander Hamilton's name. Alexa's like, did you call me? I'm like, no bitch. Like (laughs) (laughs) we don't even have like any of the dots or echoes or any of that kind of stuff, (laughs) but just the phone itself, because it's on Amazon music, it's like, what? I'm like, I did not call you. Your name is not Alexander Hamilton. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So back to this. (laughs) Yes. So back to the book. It was a really interesting story. Now, I hadn't heard of her before, but apparently Mm -hmm. um, it tells you it's, by the way, it's not in any kind of chronological order. No, it's a series of essays, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a really good group of blogs um, Mm -hmm. where an actual story starts to develop and you're like, what the hell is going on? It's it's really exciting. well, if you're excited about that, just wait till my book of blog comes out because yes. <laughs> they probably like this is really great when you read it one blog at a time. Now, how do you make it work? Yeah, and it really did. You know, it had like an antidote at the beginning of every little section, every chapter, and then like a story of uh, something that's happened and then a new way that she thought about it and how that helped her. I think that that was very useful, mm-hmm. even on um, even when she was kind of getting preachy because – I was, you know, she she kind of gave you more of a core behind it. It wasn't just mm-hmm. a, and this is what I feel, and you should all feel this way, which is like, you know. Well, guilt. what's really interesting, and again, if you're, if you're the kind of person who just wants to sit down and read a chapter or two of something at a time or just like something quick before you go to bed, this is an ideal book. Like when I first 
read it, I had gotten the audiobook from the library. And like I said, I listened to the whole thing in a day because I was driving around with dogs in the car and nothing else going on. Uh, but I'm like, I then I liked the book so much. I found a gift card. I was cleaning out my office and I found a gift card to Barnes and Noble. I was like, you know what? I really like a lot of the messages in this book. I think I'm going to buy the hardback book. Now, I hardly ever buy books with pages anymore just because mm -hmm. they're heavy and they don't move around very easily. But this one I've been really impressed with. And like I said, I'm seeing it. And most of the, the chapters in it, they're just one and a half to two pages. Like they're not long. So you can very much go through it. And it's, it's also funny that you mentioned Eat, Pray, Love with this. Because as you're reading through the book, she has a friend, Liz, that she meets at an event, becomes good friends with, and then she comes around. That's Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote oh. Eat, Pray, Love, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, okay, got it. That that makes some sense. So anyway, let's let's kind of dive into mm -hmm. this book. Because like Heather said, it is not like, you know, like when we read Felicia Day's book, it's a story. You know, yeah. this is where I started. This is where I was born. This is where whatever. Apparently, she's already written books like that when she was still married to her husband and kids coming up and we're a lovely, happy family, la, la, la. This is very different from that. So again, it starts out with, hey, I, uh, I fell in love with a woman while I was married to my husband. And let me tell you why. And so it goes into that. But before we even get to that, there is a prologue here and it's about a cheetah, Right. I'm not oh, going to yeah. read you the whole story because this would be very long and probably violate like 12 different copyright laws. So we don't want to do that. But basically, it starts out where uh, Glennon and her, her wife take their children to a zoo. And the zoo is having something that they are calling the cheetah run. And so people can sign up and they can go watch this because what they have is they have a cheetah in their zoo uh, whose name is Tabitha. And Tabitha has a best friend that she was raised with whose name is Minnie, and Minnie is a yellow Labrador retriever. And so they've grown up together, and Tabitha wants to do whatever Minnie's doing because she thinks she's a dog, which is problematic in a couple of ways. However, basically what they do is they bring, you know, they got, they got the cheetah's cage uncovered, and she can see what's happening. They have this dirty little pink stuffed bunny on the back of a Jeep. They let go of Minnie's leash. They race the Jeep down the track that they want this cheetah to run. The cheetah sees the dog chasing the Jeep, and it says, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. And so they let the cheetah out. She runs. She gets a stake, and then she's done, right? And everyone's like, yay, go cheetah. You're just like a dog. That's amazing. And so um, while the zoology people are talking to the crowd, uh, Glennon's daughter like kind of nudges her, and she's like, Look at look at Tabitha, who's now behind the cage. She's no longer a dog. This this has gone straight back to cheetah mode. She's now stalking. She's watching everybody. You can see the wild in her eyes. And um, and and uh, her, her daughter Tish says, "Mommy, she's turned wild again." And so she starts thinking about what she would ask the tiger. She's like, "What's happening to you right now?" Or this cheetah. And she says, "I know what she'd tell me. She'd say." something's off about my life because this cheetah was born in captivity. She was not mm -hmm. from the wild. So something's off about my life. I feel restless and frustrated. I have a hunch that everything was supposed to be more beautiful than this. I imagine fenceless, wide open savannas. I want to run and hunt and kill. I want to sleep under an ink black, silent sky filled with stars. It's all so real. I can taste it. And then she'd look back at the cage, the only home she'd ever known. She'd look at the smiling zookeepers, the bored spectators, and her panting, bouncing, begging friend, the lab. 
she'd sigh and say, I should be grateful. I have a good enough life here. It's crazy to long for what doesn't even exist. And I'd say, Tabitha, you are not crazy. You are a goddamn cheetah. And I just love that so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great metaphor. I mean, it's a obviously a real story that she was able mm-hmm. to turn into a, a metaphor. But uh, I... I, I like it. I kind of, um, uh, you know, I kind of know that zoo animals don't know about the, the world, mm-hmm. Africa or wherever they're from. Right. I don't know where cheetahs are from, the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere that's not a zoo. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and this this parallels, right, with her and her discovery that um, she may or may not be um, attracted to her husband anymore. Um, so <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think that's a thing that a lot of people can probably gather. I know that I've spent a good portion of my life in different stages saying something's not right. Something's off. I'm not saying like, oh, I want to go marry a woman. That is not what I'm saying. But something doesn't feel right. It feels like there's more than this. And I think that that's kind of just the awakening that anyone has when they realize that their life has not necessarily gone in the direction that they wanted it to. Or maybe they didn't even know it could go into another direction. But once you just get into that eye-opening experience, the what-ifs start to play. And those what-ifs can beat you to death. They really can. You go, what if I did this? What if I did that? But at some point, you have to either decide that, like, Tabitha, well, I guess this is all there is, and it's pretty good, and I get steak every once in a while, and I got this weird little dog that's my friend. But what if? What if there was the opportunity to have something bigger and better? And I I really just love that opening kind of analogy. I mean, I love it too, but, and then as you go through the book, it kind of starts to make more sense, but how, how much does it put doubt into somebody's mind, uh, like a paralysis of decisions? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I don't know, sometimes when you're faced with like so many decisions and so many options, you kind of are stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but what if Tabitha, you immediately got out there and got killed by a bigger animal? (laughs) What if, Tabitha, they opened the gate, you didn't chase the dirty pink bunny, but you turned around and ate everyone in sight because you could, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, you definitely would get put down. So that was probably not the best option either. Well, so, she probably like, has no like, idea what that means. But I think yeah. that's, you know, uh, I've been, I don't think she can even right now, she can't even equate a steak to food or a steak to moving animals. No, that's no. Really it's like she's problem. never yeah. done that. She's never hunted. She's never caught anything. She has the drive because that's she's a cheetah. That that drive would instinctually be in your DNA. You know, like, and I think that's why a lot of people, you know, you watch it like the Tiger King and they're like, oh my God, that, that person got mauled. That's terrible. I'm like, is it though? I mean, is it a good yeah. idea to raise wild animals? Because no matter if you try to treat it like a kitten or a puppy, that's not its DNA. That's yeah. not what's instinctually in it. And nature versus nurture is always a very, you know, powerful question in the psychology world. It's less so in the animal world because nature overtakes nurture a lot and it usually hurts a lot, you know? Yeah. So you learn, you learn some lessons the hard way in animal, um, animal life, I guess. I, wild yeah, life. Yeah. But so surprisingly, this story has nothing to do with uh, zoo animals. <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> so um, it was it was really interesting, and um, this is the part that I kind that touched me the most is that she was the most upset. Uh, so she wrote beautiful stories about um, her life and falling in love and and all of the emotions that were part of that, mm-hmm. right? And what made her who she was at that moment. 
And it turns out her husband's a piece of shit mm-hmm. and was, you know, just having affairs the whole time. And so uh, one of the things that I noted was I wasn't upset as like a scorned wife. I was upset as like a writer who you just destroyed my plot. Yes. It's yeah. like you just fucked my whole world up, you know? <laughs> I'd be yeah, like it, me writing about my uh, divorce in a hilarious way. And then next week I get back together with my ex-husband. Like that's just, yeah, it's really not good for your sales. <laughs> your, your yeah. Line. But you know, the idea though was that he didn't necessarily want to break up. No! They weren't, yeah. So she still had to make the decision whether she was going to be a cheetah, right. Mm-hmm. Or um, be a cheetah like Tabitha. Well, then that's the thing. Like she goes, she's, she's trying to do, quote, the right thing, right? So her first chapter here is about basically when good girls and what she call it? Good girls and I don't know, it's good boys, but it's not really. Oh, real boys, good girls versus real boys. And she said around the age of 10 is where you start to really get these messages in is what what's a good girl? These are the feelings you're allowed to express. This is how a woman should act. This is the body you must strive for. These are the things you will believe. These are the people you can love. These are the people you should fear. And this is the kind of life you're supposed to want. And so she says in here, she's like, when I became a good girl at the age of 10, I also became a bulimic because none of us can hold our breath all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, as somebody who struggles with a lot of anxiety and depression, this holding your breath thing is not even a metaphor. Like this is just what happens. I have been having like a lot more anxiety happening in the last couple of weeks for whatever reason. My meds are running out. I don't know. Uh, But that's the thing. Like I find myself tensing and holding my whole body tense when I'm anxious or trying not to let the world see that I'm anxious and trying to do the right thing or the expected thing or the, you know, when people ask you, how are you? And you say, I'm okay. I'm not okay. (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. okay at all. But if I tell you that, I have to exhale long enough to do so. And when I do that, bad things are probably going to happen with my body. You know, like if my body doesn't like that I've been holding my breath for 40 years. It's not a fan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But she also also says that – oh, hang on. Basically what she says is what I've realized now that, you know, 10 is when they introduce me to my cage – uh, like Tabitha's cage. This is where you live now. And these are the things you're going to do. And this is the kind of person you're going to become. You're going to grow up and be a mother. You're going to grow up and be a wife. You're going to grow up and do the things that you're supposed to do. But she says, I understand myself differently now. I was just a caged girl made for wide open skies. I wasn't crazy. I was a goddamn cheetah. So I love this again. And again, obviously that's looking back on life later at 10. And and I think that's what we would all love to be able to do is say, when exactly did I get my my chains into what family, society, friends, just whoever, when did when did I let what they want me to do and to be become who I am? Yeah, it was a really, uh, a really good portion of the book, because it made you start to think back like to to your life and, and think about when did you start to try and fit a norm? And I, you know, I think it was like, after I got married, I was like, oh, you know, um, like what should be clean. I, I used to do like this crazy cooking. I used to clean the toilet every day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, all these things that were just consuming me because it was what I should do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've gotten over that mostly. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I certainly do not cook. I used to take an entire day off and cook for an entire month and put everything in the freezer. Mm-hmm. 
um, and then cook it like every single day. And I'm like, by the end of that 24 hours, I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. The food isn't that good. I mean, half the crap was like dumped out of a can and things like that. I mean, it just was me you know, I should have a menu planned and things like that. And well, and how much time are you actually saving yourself in the long run, especially when you've now frozen up a whole, like I'm a big fan of a meal planner. I I am, I'm a fan of it, but at at some point you're like, but I don't want to eat this now. Like (laughs) I spent all day cooking it and I took two bites of it. And honestly, that was enough. Like, I I don't know that I want to come back and eat this meal. And in my life that just, you know, equates to food sitting in the fridge, giving me anxiety because I don't want to eat it. But I've already made the, you know, spent the time to do it. So, yeah. And the money and whatever else. Yeah. So you just have to decide, like, how much of what you're doing is for you Mm -hmm. and how much of what you're doing is for what you think you're supposed to do. Um, I think that a lot of it changed when I kind of went back to college and I just didn't have time for any of that bullshit. Right. right? And so then I started to focus on really what's important. And sometimes what's really important is watching Supernatural on television. Mm -hmm. Or (laughs) playing Animal Crossing until your eyes fall out. It happens. yeah, I mean, there's you got to give yourself time and um, stop doing things just for it. Like, that's what's expected of me because it's just too much. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I remember about when I was married the first time around is that my husband was incredibly spoiled. Like, his mom was the quintessential stay-at-home mom. She was crazy out of her mind about stuff. So, like, they'd put a glass down, and by the time you turn around, it was already gone and in the dishwasher. And so he just never really learned to care for himself as a grown-up yeah. preach yeah. I totally understand <laughs> and it uh, and it was just one of those things that even though I was in college I was working on a master's degree and working full-time and doing all of these things to better myself and be able to get a job so I made better money and whatever he still 100% expected me to do all the home stuff I was like what those aren't my underwear on the floor pick them up you know what I mean like And Mm -hmm. even though I knew that that was not my job because I had a job like this, hello, it still was like he would find ways to guilt me into thinking that it was or like, oh, my mom's coming over. I'm like, okay, whatever. She's like, well, this place, he's like, well, this place is a mess. I'm like, well, then you should pick up your shit because it's your shit. And uh, he's like, oh, well, you know, she's going to blame you. I'm like, well, then she doesn't have to come over. You know what I mean? Like she, she did this. I blame her. Uh, but but at some point, some everybody has to grow up. And I'm curious, and I'm not trying to, again, not all guys, hashtag. But I would like to know from our male listeners, like, what is it that you feel like you are expected to do? Whether you're yeah. the primary breadwinner, whether your wife or spouse or whoever also contributes fully or halfly or whatever, do you have the same feeling of guilt? Like, I should be doing something. Like, even now, you oh, know. Oh, no, men don't have that feeling. I'm sorry, men. You don't. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Paul does, but yeah. uh, but for the most part, I'm just I'm very curious about that because even now, when there's like nothing I have to be doing, my brain still feels like yeah, but you need to look busy. So oh, like I will come home from like let's say oh, I don't know when I was in the ICU over the summer and sick and you know might have almost died, and I came right home and I was like I'm okay, I should go back to work. And I'm like that's not that's mm-hmm. not normal. I don't think that's yeah. what people do when they get it, but it's what I do. And it's what I've always yeah. done because that there's such a sense and nobody's put this guilt on me. It's a hundred percent me doing it saying, well, I'm not in the bed at the hospital anymore. So I should be doing something, whatever that something is. And, and honestly, for me, I get so stuck in that pretending to be okay, 
that I just like bump into walls. You know, I'm just wandering yeah. around like I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I know. Um, Glennon talked about that a little bit because like if Abby would sit down and watch television, mm-hmm. she's like, it's not within the certain hours of the day <laughs> in which you're supposed to be able to sit down and watch television. And so um, she started to notice that uh, she'd walk into the room and if it's not television time, uh, Abby would get up and start putting pillows in the right spot mm-hmm. and stuff because she needed to look busy because that was what was expected of her. Yeah. Which I really liked that Glennon was like, what have I put on What her? did I do? Exactly. And, um, you know, I, I've got a similar, my husband, I love him very much. He will help with anything I ask him to. I have to have the mental capacity to ask him and sometimes explain what to do, mm-hmm. which makes it almost as exhausting as doing it myself. I know it sounds ridiculous. No, I'm with you. But um, like, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to think about what for dinner because I haven't thought about it. I just just think of something. I don't yeah. know. Or, um, you know, like, you know, I need to, what can I clean? Yeah. Well, I know I got to come out and get the goddamn list of things that we need to clean. I don't have a list of things to clean. If you see something not clean, clean it. Yeah. I don't want to have to think about in advance everything that should be thought of because I'm working and thinking and stressing myself out all day and my brain is fried. Yeah. So I have a lot of anxiety issues around food in general. So like if somebody says, hey, do you want to go to this place? I'm like, sure. Or "Eh, maybe not. But if it's like, where do you want to eat? What do you want to do? What are we going to have for dinner? And I'm like, I don't know. And now I've got an anxiety attack about it. Please stop talking. Isn't that like the silliest thing to have an anxiety attack over? But you like it happens. But it happens to me like daily like this is a constant you know i've seen memes all the time that are like marriage is just asking each other where you want to eat forever until you die and i'm like yeah that's that's kind of what it feels like i I know i feel so bad that like i that just that decision Mm -hmm. is it's it just takes too much and a lot of times it's like where do you want to go to eat and and i'm told to think of it Mm -hmm. and you know and i and i love my husband he was like just you know i'm like he he kind of in his last time's like I will always be okay with this poke bowls in mm-hmm. case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> so if you don't know what to do, if you say poke bowls, I'm going to be all for it. So I could say poke bowls from now every night <laughs> until the end of He's eternity, like, yep. and I'm covered. <laughs> so at least I've got that. Like at least because I mean I was expressing the same frustration. It's like I can't think of it. Yeah, I just, it's like just don't know? ask me. Just like Saturday, uh, we decided we we're going to get up and go to lunch, and I was working on. Uh, I think I was working on the social media stuff for the dumpster fire episode. So I was not paying much attention and we just kind of got in the car and he started driving. He's like, um, do you want to know where I'm taking you? I was like, no, I don't. I just, <laughs> I just will enjoy whatever it is when we get there. And that was, that was so much better. I mean, I, I still have issues and, and whatever, but, yeah. but it's almost like, like when I, when I decide I want to clean the house, which happens from time to time, it's not a super, uh, massive compulsion for me. But, you know, and we don't have kids. We have dogs. So it's pretty much like move this blanket that the dog has strewn over here or, you know, pick up the cough Mm -hmm. drop wrapper someone keeps leaving on the floor or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I want to do this. You're the one with the cough. That's all I'm saying. (sighs) (laughs) It's not mine and it's not Paul's. I'm just throwing it there. uh, Yeah. So there's a lot of (laughs) stuff happening. But but for the but again for the most reason one I like to clean when nobody's around like I don't want to hear anybody's input on what I'm doing I don't want to have to answer questions about why I'm doing whatever I'm doing just leave me alone and let me do my thing and there are days when Paul gets up and decides he wants to go and straighten up or clean because he's been working all week and he hasn't had much, well now he's working from home so it's not as big a thing but sometimes he'll just come in and start 
cleaning Mm -hmm. and like on a Saturday morning and I start getting really anxious because I'm like, I should be doing something. I feel lazy if I'm just sitting here and he's cleaning around me and what is he thinking? And is he, you know what I mean? Like your brain just goes to that. I should be doing something instead of, you know what? It's my turn to lay down and fucking rest. I'm tired. I know. I know. It's so we're going to sound like super petty, especially to the guys that are listening to our thing, you know, about these like complaints. Mm. But honestly, sometimes the big things don't bother us as much, you know? Um, mom's in the hospital. I've got to make these uh, arrangements. You know, we were evacuated the week before. Oh, great. I got us a hotel. I got us moved down there. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the big anxiety no. causing thing. It's the little things it's in between all Jack in the box or Whataburger. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, I, and I don't know if it's um, just, I, I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense that this is what's the most frustrating is I can't come up with something that somebody else can clean. Like, really? Um, that's your biggest problem? Mm-hmm. Toilets. I gave you the answer every single time. Toilets. Right. But no, I forget. <laughs> but that's it. Like, like, I don't I don't want to be the taskmaster and I don't want to have to yeah. hand out assignments and I don't have to. You know, like I said, Paul is very good about doing the things and that's great, but it makes me feel guilty that I haven't done them myself. Yeah. And I shouldn't I feel that, but I do. And that's that's on me. He's never once mm-hmm. made me feel guilty about it. Um, but yeah, I think there's just this weird guilt or this this um uh, and t- honest what yeah. what am I trying to say? It's just this this like bleh, I can't think. It's it's been put like on um especially when we're talking like cooking, cleaning, mm-hmm. decorating, things like that. That's been put on women. It's just like right? a societal norm that has been shoved on us since we were little girls that you know, little girls are supposed to be neat and tidy and precious and princess. And and that's something she's got here in the book. And it's really funny because in this, it's about shampoo uh, because she gets into the shower. I guess one of her daughters has stolen her super expensive shampoo and she's gone back to retrieve it. And she has a, a son and two daughters until they tell her otherwise. By the way, I love that line. That's amazing. Yeah. But anyway, so on one side of the bathtub is like her son's shampoos or body washes, whatever. And they're like red and white and blue and masculine. And then on the girl side, they're all this like pretty princess pink and purple packaging. And she writes the words that are written on his shampoo versus the girls. And it's like three times bigger. Doesn't rob you of your dignity. Armor up in man scent. What does that even mean? Uh, Drop kick dirt and then slam odor with a folding chair. (laughs) She's like, "Uh, what the hell is happening in my son's shower for one? And then she says uh, when she looks at the girls bottles, uh, again, which are all flowy font and script and beautiful whispered uh, disconnected adjectives, alluring, radiant, gentle, pure, illuminating, enticing, touchable, light and creamy. So it's just even like the wording that exists around male stuff versus female stuff is just so, I don't know, so yeah. flagrant. And it just puts these things in your head that if I'm not delicate and precious and in need of help and damselly, that you know, the guy who is knocking his own body armor out with a chair, body odor out with a chair, is uh, <laughs> he's not going to want I, I me think, like, because I am not a uh, super feminine Princess Peach, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, had, oh I, I know. I mean, as she starts to, like, describe these, you start thinking, man, all of these things are true. And, we, and you know, we kind of know about them, right? In fact, there was, for a while, there was, like, masculinity so fragile hashtag mm-hmm. because everything was, like, 
you have to use the manly loofah. Like, it was like, really? Who the fuck cares if your loofah is slightly tinted like pastel? Like, they all are. I don't know why. But, like, you have to go and spend an extra three bucks so that you can get a dark gray one? Well, no, you have to get that one that's, you know, the, the live coral that you just scrape your body with until you bleed. That's what you get, men. Yeah, I, I just don't... I mean, you know, use a washcloth if you're so offended <laughs> offended by the, the loofah. Right. Um, but like, you know, and and uh, so somebody popped that in there with like masculinity so fragile. And it was about bath products and how they were like, this is for men. And, and they had to like really emphasize it. Now, I understand some things they claim are pH balanced, but I think it's a load of bullshit. But um, well, maybe uh, it is or maybe it isn't. But talking about man, pH balance 4.1, woman 3.6. Fine, I'll go with that math. That's science. But again, it, it it sounds like every male hygiene product is meant to destroy femininity of any kind, right? Like, yeah. like being soft is a terrible thing. You know what? I don't want a guy that feels like a mountain range. That's not fun. That's yeah. not interesting. It doesn't make me think you're more manly. It makes me think you need to find a purple loofah and scrub yourself a bit. Yeah. By the way, we do like soft. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's why beard oil is a thing. We want oh my beards God. to be soft. Beard oil. Not scratchy. I, mm, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> Apparently you've got another rant on beard oil. <laughs> the need of it, yes. The Please, uh-huh. please, men, just listen. Don't use crappy shampoo that has the same ingredients as like a motor cleaner on your beard. Oh, no, that will make your face oily um, because like – your shampoo strips oils, mm-hmm. and you don't want your face to have its oils stripped. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's why your face looks like crap under your beard. So you keep the beard so you look rugged and not like blotchy. But let's wash it with shampoo and conditioner. It's hair. It's the same. Yeah. It's hair. Like yes, it can be a little bit more coarse, but let's let's make it nice. Like the guys that you see on TV who are like that's hot, like manly guy with a beard. He's taking care of his beard. I'm just yeah. He's conditioning he's, he's it. Conditioned. I like oil. Oil is good. Oil usually, is a little more coarse than the rest of. But either um, way, it's it's a layering kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay to have a soft beard. We prefer it. Nobody yeah. wants the scraggly. You're literally po- poking holes through my shirt with your beard, kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I do want to touch on is that Glennon talked about being a a, a mother. And she's very helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to allow her kids to fail at anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Abby, luckily, is not. So she really helps. And then, and the, you know, they have a really good partnership with the um, with the husband as well, the ex husband. Yeah. Um, which is which is wonderful. In fact, you know, Abby and the ex husband played uh, soccer together, and and got uh, the kids involved in soccer, but. Um, many times Glennon talked about the fact that, you know, her kids wanted to try something and put a lot of effort into something. And she was like, no, because then when they fail, they'll be really sad. (laughs) She's like, why do you think they're going to fail? Like what? Yeah. I mean, and so I think that she, even though she, you can tell that she works hard, you know, she uh, writes these books, she writes these blogs, she has these nonprofits and she's doing all of these things that she almost doesn't want her children to have the same initiative. And so that actually kind of, um, I, I thought that she was able to kind of backtrack that and realize that she looked in herself and saw why she was doing that, um, which was pretty interesting because this helicopter parenting is a thing and it really doesn't set children up for success. No, not at all. Um, yeah. and, and, and you know, just in case you're not familiar with who she is, her wife is a retired gold medalist 
soccer player. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's not just like, hey, I'm going to be a soccer mom. She's like, let's play soccer. Yeah. But, so it's know. not like, yeah, it's not it's not a light. Uh, <laughs> it's not like she's setting her up with me as her soccer coach. <laughs> I'm like soccer. Yeah, sure. Whatever. But let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk more about Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleeks. And this is Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. So tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another low-down, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. Find us on your favorite podcast player or on Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, on Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast, and on Facebook at Book of Lies Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, send us one at Book of Lies Podcast at gmail.com. Okay? Bye bye. Did you ever go on vacation with your family and hope the dance instructor would fall in love with you? No, but I did think a guy with a giant boombox playing Peter Gabriel outside my window in the middle of the night meant true and undying love. Listen to our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, where we revisit these movies and it turns out they weren't the best ideas. What were we thinking? You can find our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. You can also tweet at us at H-E-A-M-C-A-S-T, Heemcast. Okay, so we're back. Wonderful friends and ads and things. So something I want to talk about with this book, and and it happens a lot because, as we've mentioned, uh, Glennon meets Abby. She's she's married to her husband. They have three children together, and she's unhappy. She doesn't know why she's unhappy other than her husband had affairs, but she's trying to be the good wife and stick around with him. They go to therapy. They're trying to do their thing, but she goes to an event sees Abby across the room and thinks there she is. And she's immediately drawn to her and she's immediately in love with her. They've been like, they they talk for like a minute and a half and that was it. She's like, I'm still married. I have to go, but I kind of love you. And then she goes to her therapist that she's going with the husband (laughs) and she tells him, she's like, I can't sleep with my husband anymore. I don't like it every time, you know, I try to turn myself off and let him climb on top of me, like all of this stuff. And I'll wake back up and I'm just like red hot, fiery rage. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. By the way, I met this woman. I'm completely in love with her. And the therapist says, well, here's the problem. That's not real. None of that's real. And if you do that, you're going to ruin your entire life. So just forget about it. She's like, but I can't, I love her and I can't be with this husband anymore. I hate him. I can't be around him. And she's like, have you tried just giving him a blowjob? Yeah. Like, what? Like, some women yeah. find that to be much less intimate. Uh, I, 
you were a terrible yeah. therapist, lady. I know. It really did sound. Now, she did talk about her being really religious and really Christian. And so I wondered if this was like a church psychologist. Um, I don't and know, I, but she's terrible. I only say that because, you know, I grew up with a, in a fairly religious area. And I know that like the church, uh, the churchy ones yeah. um, are really about centered around the dogma and not necessarily your mental health. Right. And she's, she talked about that later on in the book. But the thing that it's really it's really struck for me here is when you start to realize what your truth is, whatever it is, whatever you are fine, you know, you've hit that point where you realize you're a goddamn cheetah. What am I going to do about this? And you start to experiment, right? You start you tell your therapist because the ter- therapist has to keep it quiet. You tell your most liberal best friend, whatever that is, like, hey toying with this idea. What do you think? And the reactions that we get from other people can really kind of make or break our own mental health, but also how we try to decide if we're going to continue going on forward with whatever this is. So had she listened to this therapist who's like, no, no, hell no. She'd probably still be in this loveless marriage, hating her husband and all of this stuff. Whereas now she is not. She is married to Abby and they are best friends with her ex-husband and his now his new girlfriend. And, you know, they have this this family life that is unconventional, but it's amazing. She's still very religious minded, whereas Abby is not so much. But I'm just I'm thinking about like, because even in my own life, when you kind of finally come out from whatever it is. And for me, it was breaking the I'm okay culture mm-hmm. where everyone's like, how are you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, I, my arm fell off last week, but I'm totally fine. It's fine. When you come out of that and you just stand there and say, I'm not okay. The end. Like we've been doing that with our show with the dumpster fire episodes. We mm-hmm. are not okay. Things are not fine. And it's uncomfortable for other people. Like it's uncomfortable enough for me to try to say, I'm not okay because the whole world is pretending to be okay. And that's how you get stuck dealing with your own bullshit for as long as you do because everybody else acts like they've got this perfect life when in the middle, you know, they're like drinking in a bathtub in the middle of the night. Like they're, just, they're not okay either, but they haven't, they haven't come out and said it. And because they haven't come out and said it, they don't feel that it's okay to acknowledge it from anyone else. Yeah. And you know, everything is not exactly the same with people, right? Like, you know, I've, told you like many times that I never had the anxiety level that you had, mm-hmm. and, but I've just been feeling it recently. Yep. So does that make um, my anxiety less valid? Absolutely. And, not. you know, and so that that's where that, I think that's kind of where you get a little bit instead of or and I think this happens quite a bit is nobody wants to acknowledge it within themselves to understand where it's coming from or they just don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's hard. It's hard for people to quite understand. But um I mean, sometimes you just have to listen to it and understand that somebody's feeling something that you don't feel. Yeah. But it's there and it's still a valid feeling. It it really, really is difficult for a lot of people, especially like if, um, you know, if they grew up in a place where they were like, we don't talk about our mental Mm -hmm. health, right? Yeah. Or um, then it makes them very, very uncomfortable. They used to joke, my friends joked about uh, something that, because I really, really raised really conservative and I really wasn't raised conservative in hindsight. But by comparison uh, to, yeah. And th- yeah, they were like would joke about like things that they couldn't say at dinner. I'm like, I'm sorry that I grew up in a place where you didn't like talk about vaginas at dinner, you know? Right. <laughs> like, like make me feel bad for, you know, feeling. Here's uh, the thing. Like my mom was very adamant when we were little kids that we knew 
all of the anatomical names of body parts and use them appropriately, as opposed to making up stupid little names. We still didn't talk about vaginas at dinner. It's just not not really necessary. Just just little things that people have a different experience than you, Mm -hmm. right? And we understand that, but it's, it takes a long time and it takes decades to start to really understand that people do have that different, um, growing up different and they may react in ways that are not positive for you, Mm -hmm. but they may not know, they won't know any better. Once they know better, they do better in general if they're, um, a growing person. Yeah. If they're a growing person, if they find out like, you know, I hear people say, um, get mad about what certain ethnic groups decide to call themselves. And it was like, I don't think you, as an outsider to said ethnic group, get to decide Mm-mm. what they get to call themselves. So go fuck off right. kindly. They're just yeah. mad because they can't use the words in a derogatory manner and because it yeah. would just sound like they were on board. And that's on you, sir, not mm-hmm. the entire fill-in-the-blank community. Like, Yeah. and But, you know, people are going to be approaching this from different ways. And I think that's what the therapist was. I think the therapist was trying to warn her of something that she considered completely wrong. Right. And I'm sure it was um, part of the religious infiltration there. Um, But it did not help her mental health. Right. And when you're not supportive and you're a therapist, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it would be more of something that would be more appropriate. Yeah. To say something like, okay. As you explore this, remember you might be cutting uh, cutting off some relationships, and that's a risk that you're going to have to take as you explore. And there's there's that is a definite valid thing to say to somebody because it's just here are you know again you are free to do what you want. There could be consequences to your actions. Whether you feel like you need to validate them or not is up to you. Um, a friend of mine, Kelly, is writing a book on medical gaslighting, and I was mm. was going to work with her on it, but again. I was a little bit living in my not okay world, my I'm okay, I, not okay. And I was like, eh. honest to God, like, is she going to interview as an expert witness on that? Uh, like, me? What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. Like, I have dealt with this my whole adult life dealing with medical professionals who, you know, will say things that are shitty, shitty, shitty things to say, or you don't look anxious, sir. I am in my 40s and I have had to learn to lead a normal life full of anxiety. What do you think I'm going to look like? Like, I don't understand. Or just uh, because we don't understand what's happening with you, we're going to pretend like nothing is happening with you. And that that is terrible. My poor sister mm-hmm. had to go to a doctor this week for an issue that's been plaguing her for a little while. And we kind of, you know, she's gone to all the professionals she needs to get this diagnosis that is the most likely thing. And then she goes to this last doctor who is now personally offended that anyone ever could have thought it was that thing. Mm. And how dare you don't even say the word dizzy to me because that's an, like, and it's like when I, when I go to a hospital and they're like, how are you feeling? And it's like, you have to play medical charades with people because you don't want to come out and say, I am having a panic attack, but my uh, blood pressure is also 200 over 175. So I might die. Uh, you know, like there's certain things that you you have to tell them, but if you sound like you know what you're talking about, they immediately try to dismiss what's happening with you. Like, yeah. oh, it's a panic like, like attack. Almost- you're fine. Or you're here seeking medication. I'm like, listen, sweet pea, if I were here seeking narcotics, I could get them a hell of a lot cheaper on the street than the $30,000 you're going to charge me for this visit. Like, mm-hmm. duh. But But that's yeah. the thing. It's like they make you feel crazy because they don't know. You have to be able to say, I don't know. And we're going to do what we can to find out. But at the moment, I don't know. And 
that's the thing that I find. And I, and I think that Glennon is trying to say through a lot of this, because even later in the book, when she's talking about how she's now had to, you know, because before this, she's been doing keynote speeches and all sorts of things about family stuff and being happy and finding your glow or whatever it is. And now she's like, hey, still doing all those things, uh, just with a woman. And then there's a lot of people coming out and they're like, Oh, Glennon, not you. I I love you so much. And I you're a lesbian. How can I love you now? And and that's the thing, like, when you get to the stage where you come out and you start living your authentic self, and you become happy for you, or let's or like me, somebody who has had a lot of medical issues over the years, and is just trying to do the best they can. And if someone asks you about it, and you answer honestly, it immediately becomes a problem for them. Like they are now, mm-hmm. ugh, this is what I get. Oh my God, are you still sick? What is wrong with you? Why can't they figure out what is wrong with you? This is such an inconvenience that I have to think about how sick you are. What? And I think like I felt a lot of the, I felt a lot from this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say there were well, a lot does. of things it, in this book that really spoke heavily to me. Yeah. And I, I think that it's really is somebody else's life, right? And they're taking it on themselves that like, you've done this to me by living your own life. Right. Um, but all right. I love the book. However, when she talks about what people say to her, mm-hmm. it's like they had a speechwriter tell them exactly. <laughs> I'm like, no, nobody sounds like that. I have a podcast and I sound like a piece <laughs> of shit and I know what I'm going to say. Like, there's no way they didn't say 35 ums, stop their sentence, restart their sentence, start it again. Well, um, again, through. when you're writing a book with dialogue that happened a while ago, you have to take a little bit of license. I know this because I know. I'm doing it, but yeah. Yeah, but like if somebody is going to tell you about how uncomfortable they are, they're not going to give it to you in a beautiful story. No, no, they're not. Um, so, and and I highly doubt that her off-the-cuff remarks were as beautiful as they were. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. She, but yeah, again, yeah. if you omit the angry stare and <laughs> throat mm-hmm. calling and, you know, you do a little editing like we do in post on this show sometimes when we sound angry and ranty, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I was, um, I was just like, that always kind of bothered me. I'm like, no way did she say, and no way did your three-year-old just say that. Cause that, that was like five paragraphs without a stammer. <laughs> right. Uh, I can't listen to a three-year-old. Yo, yeah. I can't listen to a three-year-old for like a second because they are so incoherent, but I'm sure you have this like beautiful, like Mensa child. That's just perfect. But no. Well, now if it's my, my niece, Olivia, I might give it to her because that child <laughs> is going to grow up to be the CEO of something or a drug kingpin. There's really not It's going to be one or the other. <laughs> I'm going to be proud of her either way. I'm like, that's fine. Send me some money. Uh, <laughs> this kid is, uh, she's a little bit diabolical, but uh, yeah. If it's the drug kingpin, just make sure she puts half of the stuff in offshore because oh, yeah. I mean, you, you can't get that stuff seen. Well, no, no. Say I'm going to be moving offshore. Are you kidding me? Like yeah. I will be somewhere laundering ah. money for a five-year-old i mean i'm okay yeah, with that's it great. Yeah, yeah just a, a non-extradition country would be yeah. good you know like fine where oh, like making a list it's fine school no <laughs> nerdy bitches I, no way endorses drug kingpins especially when they are five years old no no i do I'd like um, to see it go to court though yeah speaking of especially um, my my like she called me one day because i had not been feeling well the day before when they were trying to get me to come over and hang out and so she calls the next day facetime she always facetimes because she wants to stare you down. And she's like, oh, Nini, are you feeling okay today? And I was like, yeah, why? Like I had forgotten. I wasn't feeling that great the day before because again, I just yeah. go back to work. That's how life works. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. Why? She goes, oh, well, you didn't, you didn't catch Uncle Paul's cough, did you? I was like, well, I was feeling a little rundown yesterday, but I think I'm okay. She's like, so what you're saying is you're not sick today. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. She's going to be a lawyer. I'm going to tell you, she's like, so what you're saying is you're not sick, so you can come to my house or I can come to your house and play Animal Crossing. Of <laughs> like, damn, you're good. Like she just, she yeah, will she just, sounds like a lawyer. I almost think like you know she can trap you into getting the answer she wants. Entrapment is this kid's middle name. Like I'm like, <laughs> what? Oh, That's, shit. she cracks me up. Like you have to keep your story straight in your mind talking to this kid because she will come at you with a sweet face. And she's like those sour patch kids. She's like first she's sweet and then she punch you in the face. I'm like, she's God. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently yesterday my sister blinked or turned around or something and she sends me this picture both toddlers they're three and five are covered head to toe and literally everything in between with markers (laughs) they (laughs) they have colored uh everything everywhere all the places (laughs) and i'm like oh (laughs) and and she's like I'm the worst mother in the world because I am trying so hard not to laugh my ass off. I'm like, right. Well, your son has uh, given himself some art in interesting places. She's like, yeah, you should see what she did. I'm like, oh, I don't. I'm good. Okay. (laughs) Good God. These kids. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's funny. So I'm saying there are a couple of kids who could probably give a five-page soliloquy. And uh, then at the end, you owe them your pension or something i'm not sure but yeah well yeah. perhaps but my my bs meter was going off a couple of times i i well. get it i do but i'm also like as someone who is writing a memoir type book about conversations that happened 20 years ago you don't remember exactly so unless you want to be like that girl in untamed that says this is not the exact conversation but it's it's the general voice you know it's like she did that every single time she had it something it was like okay i got it let's just say this is the best we can do to come up with the flavor excuse me the flavor of the conversation so yeah it's it's hard to do yeah but because it's not like you're carrying around a tape recorder and then go back and live listen to every moment of your life you have to take a little bit of license where you can all the important things are recorded (laughs) only if you have a (laughs) podcast and don't go back and delete them yeah yeah i i found the book very motivating to kind of look inward now uh towards the end she kind of uh equated she would talk about the fact that like her inner voice was what she was referring to as God. She less uh, of a strict religious upbringing that she's changed. And I thought that that was really interesting because I mean, I, I've always been like a, like an energy and a, things like that are what is God and not necessarily like a, somebody that's in, I wrote these 10 commandments down. You're going to have to read them mm-hmm. um, and follow them. I've always felt like it was more like a, a belief in it. Right. A, a flow. So I I like that that she talked about that, but I don't know how much that resonated with her religious audience because she was primarily uh, had a very religious audience. Yeah, I think that, and that's the thing when you your inner truth comes out to be somewhat, you know, different from what you have been led to believe. You can go one of two ways. You can morph the way you look at things and adapt them to your lifestyle, which I think is what a lot of uh, 
gay, white, Republican, you know, <laughs> Catholics have done, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can rebel against them completely. You know what I mean? Like there's only two ways. Yeah. So if you are raised in a doctrine that says who you currently are is not good enough or Jesus hates you or whatever it is that people like to say that's not written anywhere, but they're going to say it anyway. Again, you can either say, well, I'm going to go with the spirit of what Jesus says with love everybody and don't be a dick. Or I can say, fuck this guy. He didn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. There's really not a third way around it. You can't be as devoted or whatever as you were to the strict adherence of the the man-made assumptive rule if it totally negates who you are as a person. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess people do, but I, I don't, as a, I guess as a, I don't know, as a person well, who grew sh- up in, in religion, but isn't tied to a religion, that's, that's what I can do. I can say, yes, these are the p- things that I believe. You're supposed to love everyone. You're supposed to treat people better than, you know, garbage. You're supposed to do the right thing and be a good person. Those are all doctrines I can get behind when it comes to, Stoning your woman for looking at another person or selling off your children or murdering people and all the things that are written down in those books. I'm going to go with let's take the lesson and not the, you know, like not, yeah. not the ideology behind it, shall we? Let's, uh, you know, I, I agree. And then, and I think that she did, she had that conversation with a couple of people that said, I'm having a tough time with my beliefs mm-hmm. and who you are now. And she's like, look, um, I'm happy that you, um, that you love me enough to be concerned about this and how you can feel about this. But at at some point you're going to have to decide if this belief is so steadfast that you could get rid of people you love, Mm -hmm. or if maybe your beliefs need to change or adjust. Like she wasn't like change now, you know, stop being Christian. She was like, there are things that you might need that you will need to change in your core beliefs. And, uh, in order to still be okay with me, which, I thought was, you know, that was probably hard for her to say, but it's better than her going, well, oh, you, you know, then, I understand. Yeah. yeah I un- Well, I was thinking it'd be the opposite that she would say, I understand and you can still love me and completely, uh, but completely hate everything about who I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how you feel deep down inside. I think that, the, that her step out of that yeah. was was very brave and well but also like, it Look, puts you're gonna it have on, to pick yeah. it puts it on yeah. the other person because it's their belief that they are having to battle with not it has nothing to do with you so take me out of the equation if you think everyone who is like this is horrible and going to hell you don't have any business liking me yeah you can't you know and, every, and we talked about this with the election thing last week that's the thing it's a big difference between I believe that we should be fiscally conservative versus I think that all black people should die. Those are mm-hmm. two very different beliefs. And one is politically minded and the other is you're a terrible human. So yeah. if I, you know, I am not, but if I were a black person hearing that today, I can't say to anyone, well, you know, you take the good with the whatever and I'm still your friend and we can vote differently. Nope. You just said you think I as a human should die and that is not okay. And we cannot be friends about that. So I think yeah. I, I would have taken a harder stand, but I like that she turned it back around and said, I understand where you're coming from. And I, I appreciate that you like me enough to have this conversation with me. Cause that was brave of that person to come up and say, again, all those things, I'm having a very hard time because this is what I was taught. This is what I like about you and have followed about you and having a hard time 
with that. And I think saying you're going to have to take a hard look at what you believe and what it really means versus either go fuck yourself or, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I hope you still like me later. Bye. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, it's that is that was probably difficult for her, but, and it was difficult for her friends. So she had to come back and decide. Mm-hmm. So I, but I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that what matters, right? It's like, yep. you have to be true to yourself. And if the people that are around you are not, Sometimes you got to cut them out, you know? Mm-hmm. Do I sound like a terrible person? No, no, like because I, I said last week that I, I did that exact same thing. Um, but that's yeah. the thing, like, and and I know that personally, I know that trying to write this stuff, write this stuff down about your own life that you know somebody is going to have a problem with, right? I'm writing a book about divorce after it happened. So it's like, here's a terrible relationship. Here's what happened to me. Here's what I allowed to happen in my life. I am not a saint in my own book at all. And so knowing that this hopefully will go out to the masses at some point, there's a lot of trepidation, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear about these things. And how is this person going to perceive me? How are these people going to, you know, do I have something to say that they're not going to like, and they're not going to like me because of it? And at some point, I have to realize that if that person is really my friend or a family member that I need to have in my life who doesn't like what I have to say, they can approach me in a similar situation of, I love you, I'm super confused by this or whatever, or bye, you know, like, I don't yeah. need that. Yeah, and they, and they kind of put that on her, yeah. right? Oh, These yeah. are my beliefs, and you're going to have to tell me how to reconcile I'm them. not, yeah, and, I'm not going to yeah. do that. Yeah. So, yeah. But, all right. So, I think that this was kind of a really, um, a really uplifting book that kind of showed you, think about, you know, what your assumptions are about things. Mm-hmm. And maybe they need to be checked. Which, I like, uh, your assumptions about everything, down to, you know, your core, everything you do on a day-to-day basis, that, you know, where, why did you decide that you needed to do that? Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was really interesting because it started making me think about things. And then when I, you know how in your brain, like you get like a snap judgment on something uh-huh. and then you think, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, and I try, I try to be very cognizant of it because there's always this like women hating that somehow gets ingrained in our psyche yep. um, as a kid. Like if a, if a woman's wearing something too pro- provocative, you're supposed to be offended by that and shun them. Right. Which is bullshit, right? You know, you do whatever you want, mm-hmm. but it still is your very first instinct. Yep. And who put that in there? I don't know, but it's bullshit. <laughs> Other women and, so, and men all the time. Cause that's, yeah. that's the thing that I, I made a joke about it with somebody not too long ago. We're talking about gay porn, I guess somehow. And, uh, I made the like comment. You, I was like, you know. huh? Like you do. I, as you do. I mean, who isn't talking about gay porn on a weekly basis with some random friend? <clears throat> and if you're not, you probably should. And, you know, I was, I was saying, you know, people have this this real issue. But I think that men find lesbian porn a whole lot more acceptable. And I don't know where that, like, that draw comes from. It's like, oh, homosexual is bad, blah, blah, but two ladies. And you're like, I know. Why, where does... Where does that come from? I don't I don't know. Like who was the first person that said, that's a look I like, uh, versus you, 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 I don't want to deal with that. Uh, or that's wrong. The Bible says that's wrong. Well, how is it wrong for two guys, but it's not wrong for two women? I don't think it's wrong for anybody, because what do I care? But 
you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's those beliefs that like we're so hardcore believing on one aspect of that. But if you throw another lady into the mix, somehow now it's a little less, a little less wrong. Or even better than like the, you know, heterosexual porn. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm, anyway, I don't know. Men like weird things. Well, ask the porn lady when she comes on. Yeah, women like weird things, but (laughs) there's less that women are going to be like, oh, that's awful. Maybe like bestiality, maybe, you know. Like Maybe. that's a line that we draw. <laughs> Is the goat into it? Did he sign a consent form? I, I know. know. It's I like if know. the goat can't consent, it's not right. <laughs> it's not acceptable. Yes, we're consent okay, is an interesting to, uh, concept in general. Enthusiastic yes, consent is what we want always. Yeah, verbal yep, enthousi- enthusiastic consent. Yes. Um. Um. Uh, anyway, I think that we've gone down enough. We have hit a rabbit hole. But anyway, I am glad that you uh, you read this book along with me once I called and said we have to read this book because, again, I got out of it, a lot out of it. So like you said, the first, let's say, three quarters of it really is just kind of stories and essays talking about how she's gotten where she is and the different biases and whatever else that she's having to get past. And then the last quarter is a little bit more self-helpy. Uh, mm-hmm. these are yeah, I, I got that do. vibe. Yeah. 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 But again, I can take that, you know, because I get a lot of the memoirs that come like right out of the face and punch you like right in your throat. And you're like, like too much. I didn't mind. Yeah. It. it didn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, and she kind of let you off with you don't have to like follow this this is everything that you need to make a decision on is up to you and how you feel about it um just just feel like you need to make a decision based upon it based on knowing all of the ramifications and all the reasons why you have that feeling towards it and she went into some you know historical uh information about like hey this is why um christians started believing this you know you start thinking it was it in the bible not really mm-hmm. um this is when it started in 1970s there was a you know there was a concern of over you know like and she goes into kind of the history on some of the backup behind it and then you start thinking oh i wonder how many of these core beliefs that i was like born and raised with was this not not even i've been reading so much stuff lately i can't keep them all together was this the one where she's talking about how in the 70s like the church was looking for something to polarize people to get republican Mm -hmm. vote and they went with abortion and what was the other uh yeah something about women's uh I don't uh, remember. It was like in the in the household type of thing, you know. I, I can't I, I can't a hundred percent, but that's like where the abortion is bad kind of thing came from was in this particular push. And again, I, I'm so sorry, I cannot remember a hundred percent if it was this book or if it was a different one. That no, I was it was reading. it was this book. Okay. She really went into like this is what happened, and then this was the lawmaker, and like was very specific yeah. about uh, where it came from. So she's like, so maybe when you say this is always the way it's been done, why don't you think about like maybe it was maybe that yeah. idea was planted. Right? <laughs> it's like maybe that idea is less than fifty years old. Let's think about yeah, that, maybe so. yeah. Well, like you know, we're we all think that Santa Claus is like this white dude with the red fur mm-hmm. and blah blah, and that that shit was invented by Macy's. Well, or Jesus was in the white 50s. and damn near blonde as well, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's that's how. Uh, yeah, the things it looks work. like Obi Wan Kenobi. It's a, <laughs> it looks like Jonathan Van Ness from uh, Queer Eye. You know what I think is funny mm-hmm. is that like growing up, like the church was very against facial hair, but mm-hmm. every picture had this blonde Jesus with tons of facial with hair, a ton of beard. Yeah, and I was like, I so bet he used hair? beard oil. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus would use beard oil because this, this portion that's of Nerdy Bitches do. brought to you by Dude Beard Oil. <laughs> any any beard oil will do. Right. Anyway. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus would have used beard oil. I'm calling it. 
It's uh, no shave November, right? It's time to get the beard oil out, boys. Yeah. Well, you know, technically, I shouldn't be seeing any facial hair right now because it should be under a mask. <laughs> yeah. Well, saying. there's that. Yes. Yeah. Maybe um, keep it to the mask line, like trim it oh, up yeah. a little bit. That's actually a perfect line because mm-hmm. you know what? When your chin is shaved, like even if you have a beard, it, that girl it gives you a nice line. It's very attractive. Yes. Yeah. Not when it's like starts to like fade out and it starts to become kind of puby. Yeah. 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 Go like watch that. Queer Eye on Netflix. They do a great job at talking about how to properly like shape your beards and, and how to, how to, you know, I don't know why we're talking about beards in this episode at all. However, it's very important. We want you to look awesome with your, yep. your face but beard here. I, but again, you know, do what feels right for you and think about, well, what is motivating us to tell you to do this, right? <laughs> Maybe it's just because um, we find it more attractive and guys shave like the neckline a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just, but just a little if you if you decide to discard that, that's fine. Do you? You don't need, do to, you? You don't need to impress us. You can have a little Well, here's it. We're not going to be touching your beard, period. You no, know, not even at all. Either not one even of a little us. bit. Not Mm-mm. at all. However. We could care less about technically about any of your facial hair issues. Or any other, to be honest. Except for my husband, but he's not listening to the podcast. Well, so mine is. Yeah. Hi, Paul. Uh, Hi, Paul. <laughs> shave, the, shave the neck. <laughs> no, he's, he's, yeah. This <laughs> right. is lovely shaved. He just needs to adopt the beard oil. So yeah. if any beard oil sponsors would like to reach out to us for. They need to make like a non-breaking out beard oil. I think that's what um, puts most guys off because my husband does not like it. I don't think Paul's ever had a beard oil, so. Mm. Yeah, nice. Like, it's nice. Yeah. He needs it one. has a nice scent to it usually. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think. Uh, but anyways, um, I'm, I'm not about to get out and tell anybody how they need to go shave because I don't want anyone telling me how I should go and shave. So. Uh, yeah. Good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. But there are preferences and we've stated them, mm-hmm. but that's it. Anyway, I'm just telling you from the romance readers of America, apparently beard oil is a thing and it is frequent as is now asking for enthusiastic consent, which go writers. So, yeah, good, good. I'm glad that the the romance novels are starting to do Uh that. Sometimes it gets a little weird. I'm like, uh, what? But again, it's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, totally off track. Probably get cut out. It's cool. So, yeah. do you have any internet quotes for us today? It, yes, I do. And as a matter of fact, and this one hit close to home. Hmm. This is from a lawyer. <laughs> I think you're right because it's at Justin Miller Esquire mm-hmm. on Twitter, <laughs> and it just it just hit home for me. It says, "Have you ever created an amazing Excel spreadsheet, but then disappointed because no one in your family or friends care?" <laughs> yes. Hashtag asking for a friend. Like, yes, I have. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hashtag our entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's like now I do like a lot of visualizations and I'll be like show, showing my husband, it's nice, huh? And he's like, I don't know what it's trying to tell me. And I'm like, <laughs> I do. you don't need to know. I even do that with pretty. like artwork for the show. I'm like, what do you, what do you think about this? Do you think this is going to work? He's like, yeah, that looks nice. He's like, not even looking. I was like, okay. I'm like, yep. Yep. It's like, fun. I send it to Heather. She at least goes, awesome. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and then, and, and I've told you once we're like, yeah, do we need to do, do you know, oh, yeah. make adjustments to it? But. Which is fine. I want to hear it before it goes out and somebody goes. Ugh. Why? Green and pink don't go together was, anymore. No, they shouldn't they, tell me that because that's our freaking logo. I was about, like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, they do. Everybody has their opinions, mm-hmm. and we did. We can decide to 
indulge their opinion or not. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Bring it on. So that reminds me, if you are looking for ways to support our show, uh, because we would love it if you do, you can head on over to Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and sign up as little as $1 a month to help continue to make our show a lovely place to visit. You can also go to our merchandise store where we have our own artwork plus other awesome artists that we have curated in. And you can go to nerdybitches.com slash store. That will get you to those good places. And what else? Is there anything else? Oh, don't forget to check out our friends at the Age of Radio Podcast Network. They're ageofradio.org. You know, my dog has just been sitting up and staring at me this entire episode. Mine have been sleeping behind me, but I think Daphne is chasing. I think she's chasing rabbits. Actually, it's probably the squirrel. She saw a squirrel this week for the first time, so... Oh, her legs are running. Yeah, That's adorable. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's kind of weird. Like, stop looking at me, dude. <laughs> looked at by my dog. Lucy does that to me. She just gives me that resting bitch face and stares me down. She's like, mm. and if we move the wrong direction, she's like, uh, why? <laughs> Sorry. I just got used to staring at you in this one. I know. <gasps> you are lovely and I am enchanted. Yes, but I might sorry. also kill you. I know, like the chances of you getting eaten by Lucy are low, pretty low, but 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 never zero. Well, you know what? She is one hundred percent the one of my three who would eat us if we died in our sleep. So okay. she is a scrapper. She she would totally do that. The other two would just sit there like, "We're so hungry. Like, could you get up and feed us, please?" So, right. Anyway, well, that went off the rails. So anyway. I no, guess there's going to be a lot of, uh, if we cut out the beard stuff, this thing will be down by like 40 super, minutes. Super, super short. That'd be <laughs> awesome. So uh, we are going to do another book club though, right? Yeah. Are we at, I think we're are we at Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. Six. Uh, no, five, five. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I, I guess remember. our next uh, episode, book club episode is probably going to be in the new year. That's not really new because 2020 is just going to run forever. Um. Mm-hmm. And we will do Harry Potter in the Order of the Phoenix. So if you have yeah. any other books that you think that we absolutely must read, uh, send us an email at contact us at nerdybitches.com or hit us up on one of our socials. You can find us on Twitter at nerdybitchespod. You can find us on Instagram at nerdybitches. And then on Facebook, just type it in. Um, yeah. You can also, we are rolling down to the end of our year here, but we have got our Nerdy Bitches Reading Challenge page on Facebook. And we are going to be running a bunch of different uh, challenge things during the next year. So if you'd like to come join us there, it is a private group. So you will have to answer some questions because if you don't, I won't let you in. But it's facebook.com slash groups slash NBP reading challenge. So Nerdy Bitches Podcast NBP reading challenge. And uh, let us know you heard it on the show and that you want to come hang out with us on the book page. Yes, I think I'm behind. I'm two books behind schedule, but I don't have um, Untamed on it yet. Well, you need to add it because that's a book. Yeah. Then I'm one book behind schedule. Well. <laughs> Actually, it, it needs me to read like five more books before the end of the month, a year. Well, I don't think I can do that. I have to do 25 books by the end of the year. You, But, but you can. You, I you can. can read fast. Well, I, read I met my goal, my reading goal for the year uh, back in May. So thank you, pandemic. So I actually upped my goal and I'm 25 from it right now. The second goal. So, yay. Yeah. Actually, did we read Mistborn this year? Yes, oh, we no, did. It, it is on here. I never yeah, read it. I was like, yes, we I'm, did. We read that. My bad. I read it twice. So. Yes. Okay. So, I let, uh, by the way, the Life and Times of Prince Albert, that shit will get you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I read this 
and I don't know much about it. So the fact I'm counting it is kind of cheating because I slept. I would set it up, do a, a bookmark at the end of the chapter or, you know, shut off at the end of the chapter. I never made it at the end of the chapter. Yeah. Uh, let me see. I had something on here that was like that. Hold on. Nobody cares. Yeah. Oh, it's like, and I feel really bad, but I mean, technically I read it and I know more about Prince Albert than I did before. Okay. So, so I have been reading for almost two years Becoming by Michelle Obama, who I love. But her voice is delightfully relaxing. So mm. I'm still working on it. So it helps you it. fall asleep. <laughs> still working yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had to stop reading this book to fall asleep, too, because I found that it kept me up because I wanted to hear, like, the next thing. It was too compelling. That's how I am on any book I start after 10 p.m. I will be awake by at 7.30 and still reading. So, Yeah, I have to go back to Sense and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice because I've read it so many times that I just know it. And so I can, I can go to sleep. Yeah, That's what I do after 10. I, you know, audiobooks used to put me to sleep 100% of the time, and now I've gotten used to them. And I also read them on a like 1.5 speed. The last night I was listening to, um, there's a book in the Star Wars universe that just came out. It's called From a Certain Point of View. So this one is the second of these books. The first one covered A New Hope, and the second one is covering Empire Strikes Back. But it's all stories told, like short stories told by ancillary characters. So huh. in this one, there's one by like the sand or the big worm and the rock and the asteroid that they mm. fly into it like just random little character. And it's so good. But so, so I put it on last night and Paul was going to listen to this one. It was the one about the worm. And uh, he's like, could you slow it down to normal speed? <laughs> Cause I guess 1.5 <laughs> is too fast. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, all right, mm. speed it back up. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they sound that way. Like if you just start was listening at normal, but they always sound that way when I have to dumb them down. I'm like, yeah, I, I find 1.2 for, um, we've already talked about yeah. this for, um, uh, Will, uh, Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton. man, I listen I to everything at 1.5 now. So, oh, I can't do that. It's a little chip monkey. Nah, it's not too bad if he gets to it. But that's how you burn through that many books. People want to know, how do you read 175 books, uh, by the beginning of November? 1.5, baby. Mm, I guess so. so yep. All right. All right. Well, I guess that is all for this week. Yes. So, bye. <laughs> bye, Felisa. <laughs> <laughs>